Thank you so much, dear listeners. We have hit the goal of one million downloads. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, one million downloads. Thanks to you, all those beautiful and wonderful Syrophoenician women out there getting scraps in the master's table. That's right, one million downloads. Luke and I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for inviting us week after week into your ear holes. If you like the show and you want more witless banter between Gomer and Luke, we just launched our bonus show on Patreon. That's right. Every Monday, you can get more of us in 20 to 30-minute episodes, mostly witless banter, for our $10 or higher subscribers. Every Monday, a new show. You can find that on patreon.com slash cf. If you donate $10 or more, you get access to the bonus shows, baby. Welcome to episode 112 of Catching Foxes, where we value discussion over instruction. Guys, you got to get a glass of booze ready, because in this episode, we interview Pastor Joey Svensson from the Bad Christian Podcast. The Bad Christian Podcast is one of those shows that was instrumental in getting ours started, because for Luke, he loves it, and he totally fanboys this entire episode, especially at the beginning. It's hilarious. The Bad Christian Podcast would describe itself as being post-Christian or post-evangelical, or maybe it's better to say post-Bible Belt evangelicalism. I think you'll find it very, very interesting as we discuss the relationship between Catholicism and evangelicalism, emergent church movement, issues of being gay-affirming, and all of these different things up in this episode, episode 112 of Catching Foxes. One million, baby! Video killed. So, cool. Um, I'm going to, I guess I'll I'll take the uh, intro, Gomer, because I'm terrible at that, so it might as well. Yes. It like should be me. So cool. So um, this is kind of a really cool moment for us. Uh, we're here with Joey Svensson from the Bad Christian Podcast. Uh, did I pronounce your last name right? You did, man. It was impressive. Excellent. Hours and hours of like hearing you. That now at least I know how to pronounce. So don't is, feel creeped out by a, that at all. Don't yeah. feel creeped. <laughs> well, no. So, so we're kind of like with our with our podcast. We're kind of like at a level right now where people come up to us and they go i know everything about you and it's like yeah. kind of cool but it's also like oh yeah you kind of do know everything that's like weird has <laughs> have like you ever experienced that at all with us yeah i mean i i would say the the coolest thing that i experienced though is you know there's some friends that i don't keep in touch with that well but when i do talk to them they're telling me stuff about my life, and I'm like, I haven't talked to you like in six months. They're like, dude, we listen to your podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so that's always yeah. actually really cool because it's people that I care about, and it's like, oh yeah. man, I like the fact that they're able to keep up with me like that. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's like when yeah, I haven't I'll, seen college people for a long time. They're like, hey, how are you? How are your four kids? They're so adorable. Yeah. And I'm like, what? And they're like, Facebook, yeah. Facebook, man. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. totally. Facebook totally. has alleviated us from small talk. Yeah. Which I hear you love. Don't you love small talk? Isn't that your thing? I, you heard wrong, my friend. I think you're being sarcastic. <laughs> I am. I am. I am. It's funny because so, su- Sunday mornings, you know, me being a pastor, that's like the easiest to be drained because the potential of having one surface level small talk conversation after another, after another, after another. And it's just, I mean, here's the thing is I'm totally down with deeper conversations about real stuff. And, um, you know, someone sharing me some intense things they're struggling with and that sort of thing. And I'm totally down with, Hey, what's up, man? How's it going? I'm doing pretty good. Wife and everybody. All right. 
Yep, yep. All right, man. See you later. I'm down with that too. But the whole mm-hmm. so tell me a little bit about your job or yeah, how's how's the new house? And I'm just like, oh gosh, neither one of us really care. So <laughs> let's stop. <laughs> it's I'm starting to and this is gonna be so this is not if you think that this is about you out in listener land, it's not, even though it might be. Um I have like a bunch of people now who are starting to text me to talk about the podcast and it's typically people that I went to college with. Yeah. And it's been like great, but like text, that's where I get exhausted is with, you know, text messages. So I always like want to like have a conversation with them, but then I feel overwhelmed because I have 80 inboxes now because we all have 80 inboxes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And I'm like, this is like text. And if it's on the Facebook messenger and then Instagram and email. it's just, I'm honestly like, I don't know what to do besides just yeah. be a jerk and just not respond because I'm tired. Well, that that's the thing, though, is I, I think that everyone should take a step back in 2017 and assume that the person is not being a jerk. Because, I mean, think about it. If there's somebody that we really care about, we if we're sensitive about them not getting back with us on a text, basically what we're saying is we want them to to be a slave to their phone, which means that they're going to be more stressed, which means they possibly infringe on their real relationships with real people that are right in front of them. And it's just, it's just crazy. I mean, text messaging, it's so crazy now. It's to the point where you text someone and if they don't text right back, you're thinking, what did I piss them off or something? And it's like, holy Mm -hmm. cow. I mean, it's, it's really crazy, you know, thinking about, I I don't know, how, how old are you guys? 35. 35. And, how about I didn't hear who's which one? We're both. Said that. Oh, we're sorry. both thirty-five. Both yeah. We yeah, are yeah, the I'm 35. practically thirty-five. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> okay, Luke, we get it. Thirty-four and so, a half. I mean, <laughs> so you guys remember the time when I mean it? It's crazy. It's like you call someone on their landline, and if they don't pick up, you don't talk to them, and yeah. you just think they're not home. <laughs> so you could easily mm-hmm. just say. Yeah, we're not answering the phone right now, and no one can leave you a message. No one can text you. No one can Facebook you. And I mean, it's crazy. We're although although totally I will say, I will say, in my time though, is the rise of the cassette tape answering machine. Yeah. And so what yep. we would get was, you know, you hear your own message play, and then you hear, right. "Pick up the phone. I know you're there." Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, totally. But, my favorite thing is my mom. About- my mom still does that on my cell phone voicemail. She'd be like, <laughs> "Mike." Mike, pick up the phone. Is she being serious? Yes. Yes. (laughs) And then right after that, she'll go on Facebook and write me a message and sign it, love mom. (laughs) I'm like, I I know. I was was like that when like really old people, when they're they're like, um, when they uh, write a uh, comment on a status or something they'll like sign their name or something like yeah oh yeah it'll it'll, it'll be like all in caps and it'll be like great job bob right <laughs> like wow that was super intense and, you, know, you know it's it's actually kind of weird because so i was just having a conversation yesterday with a bunch of people who work in like they do like church work in some capacity and just how with like high school kids right now, the amount of anxiety they have. And a lot of people think it's due to like how much they're on, they're on their like iPhones. Yeah. And it just kind of hit me like they, we still don't have like real etiquette yet. 
And right. so they don't know what to do. Like if you like if you called a person's house, you, you knew how to say hello. Is you know John there? Or, I can remember um, in elementary school having classes on how to do that, like how to write uh, an address on an envelope, how to fill out a check, how to properly answer a phone call. Uh, you know, like especially if your parents weren't home. Did you, did you do that? I did that in Oklahoma. <laughs> Taught us how to use a phone in Oklahoma because it was a brand new invention. <laughs> Well, and if like think about that, like at, like at the very least, you know what to do when you're in like situation, you know, so you don't have this like this whole like um, you don't have these issues of like, well, he, he didn't he didn't text me back or blah blah blah. And anyways, this has been etiquette with <laughs> catching foxes. Thank you all for listening. Yeah. Uh, so your podcast, um, I've I th- I, th- I think I brought this up in my first email to you. I can like really honestly say, without your podcast, ours would not exist. Oh, um, can you? We are like we are a straight ex- we're a straight ripoff. We are just yeah. straight oh, yeah, ripoff. We're the Catholic just... version, the Catholic knockoff of <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, of your post Christian worldview. That's <laughs> we just <laughs> we just adopted. It's beautiful. I'm just kidding. Are you guys was, Catholic? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. like a little too Catholic. No, I'm just kidding. But, oh, uh, too Catholic. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all know I was Catholic through the third grade. Uh, or maybe you didn't know that. I did not know no. that. Um, I did. Uh, <laughs> so how, like, this is, um, and, and so, and so like, I, um, I, I, I just wanted to have you on because, like, when I first heard your podcast, it really hit me because I, I just, like, there were, like, all these things. I was like, man, they are so close to getting to, like, what I would call the Catholic Tr- the uh, Catholic tradition, or the Catholic, or the Catholic, um, like how, like for like us, it's like totally find the drink, yeah. And there's not any of this, like you don't have this, like I mean, honestly, it's almost too much of like an issue, right? <laughs> at, like at times or uh, things like that. You've it's heard been, of Ireland, and I, I guess yeah. yes, and, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's it's just kind of like I, I I just think it's really interesting because when I was in high school in the nineties there was this clear line where Catholics and Protestants didn't really hang out. Right. Like, and like the only time would be at a Christian rock uh, concert, which people would be like, not like appalled, but almost like you're Catholic and you like MXPX. And I'd be like, yeah, for like the exact same reason like you do. Um, Mm -hmm. And I feel like right now, and I would be curious to get your take on this. It's we're kind of in this age where we're all Christian by choice, yeah. not by culture. Yeah. To where, and it's kind of like all that old like bullshit. It's like, yeah, that's okay. But like, it's hard enough. Why are we arguing about that? Right. When we think with all these other like issues. Yeah. Yeah. I can see where you're coming from, but really because of the, the high volume of people that are leaving the Christian faith. So yeah. For, for me, it's eye-opening because it's like, man, those of us that are still left, like you said, we have, we're kind of making a decision. Now nah, we're, we're still in this thing. We still believe. But I can't, you know, I don't want to speak for everybody else. I mean, part of it for me still is how I was brought up. Like, I, I don't think I'll ever know whether or not I'd be a Christian in 2017 if it wasn't for my upbringing. I'm not sure any yeah. of us could, could mm-hmm. ever know that. But what I think as far as the Catholicism, Protestantism uh, deal is, I think as Protestants, there's a lot of us that are questioning so much and backing off so much of our black and white 
dogmas and uh, the you know theological comfort zone where Catholicism now is like way more palpable for us. It's like, oh, wait a second, we're questioning so many of our beliefs, and and one of those beliefs was that. Catholicism is way off. The old whore of Babylon, as I was yeah, called yeah. routinely in yeah. Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. The old <laughs> yeah, whore. Seriously. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I had to, over, over time, I had to train myself. Uh, now, this this is granted like 15 years ago, but I had to consciously make a decision to, to be like, no, wait a second, not, not all Catholics are uh, non-Christians. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, serious, yeah. I seriously had to remind myself, wait, there's some Catholics that are real Christians where now that those thoughts are pretty foreign. It is interesting to see the evolution from the outside because I was in youth ministry for years. And yeah. in Catholic circles, what you do is you implement a Catholic version of what like a lot of Protestant evangelical churches are doing. So right. we all had like youth specialties, books out the wazoo and... We all love Mark Iaconelli and like all this stuff. And we were reading all this stuff. And then this thing called emergent church happens. Yeah. And we, I start reading all this stuff about, you know, like maybe with, especially in spirituality, not the Marian kind of traditions, um, yeah. but a lot of the other stuff like Lectio Divina, more meditative and contemplative prayer. You start to see this like, well, maybe the Reformation, we threw the baby out with the bathwater. There's some good stuff that we could have kept. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you see this in people like, I mean, even like R.C. Sprawl, who has a, a good appreciation for St. Thomas Aquinas. But yeah. at the same time, he would not really, he would not uh, really admit that Roman Catholics today are Christian, or if they are, it's in spite of their tradition, not because of it. Right. And, um, and I start to see all of this stuff happening where, um, you know, like uh, we had the, the drummer from, oh, uh, shoot, Luke, what's his name? Who do we interview this? Um, he's a really important person, Aaron, super popular. And... <laughs> Under Oath, the drummer from Under Oath. What's his name? Aaron, 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 uh... Aaron that guy, Aaron that Gillespie. Well, Aaron, well, Aaron Gillespie was funny because when he was, when he, I'll edit that. Um, when he was in, uh, on the show, he was talking about how funny it was that, uh, Under Oath would be played by the local Catholic station in Tampa, Florida, and not yep. by the local, like, non-Catholic Christian station, you know, and it was this funny thing where there were certain things where, like, like talk about, like, abortion and, like, pro-life rallies where it's like, oh, yeah, let's bring the Christians together. And then right. when it had anything to do outside of, like, the work type stuff or the social policy or moral stuff, it was like, you know, hands, yeah. you know, arm's length kind of thing. Um, and it is fun listening to your podcast as you guys very honestly wrestle with this stuff. So for those of our listeners who don't know, uh, I'm bad Christian. They're they're you know they <laughs> the earlier recent episode you talked about. Are we post Christian? Are we post evangelical? Um, but you still believe in God, still believe in Jesus. But a lot of that you know you have an open process theologian on you know uh, evangelical yeah. questions the eternity of conscious suffering and hell. Right. And uh, it is interesting watching you guys very honestly wrestle with these things and not being afraid. Whereas I think in the past, even 10 years ago, most of these subjects were like, oh, well, they're just wrong and I can't learn anything from them. They're just wrong. Goodbye. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I, I actually had to get I, I, I had to. Hmm, I don't know. I don't know if it was just over time I got used to it or if there had to be some effort put forth. But it, it actually was scary for me. Uh, initially when I really started to question things. And I think the reason why and what people don't understand is it's like, I mean, I would, 
I would love it if no one suffered eternal conscious torment in hell. But once you start to doubt that, yeah. something that I've believed my mm-hmm. whole life, then it like opens the door for everything to be in question. And then that gets super scary. And so I think oh, that, yeah. um, you know, now, now I'm at a point where I really and truly do not believe that anyone, you know, is like burning forever and ever and ever, but that doesn't threaten everything else because I think I've learned how, <clears throat> how to hold loosely everything else. I mean, for me, it's like, why do I need to be so sure on different things outside of Jesus and what he means to me personally? And I th- I'll tell you, if your readers have not, I mean, if your listeners have not uh, read The Sin of Certainty by Pete Enns, it's like a must read if you're starting to question some things and scaring the hell out of you and you don't really know what to do. I mean, this book not only puts your mind at ease, but encourages that journey and for me, my faith in God is stronger than ever because I really need it. Like, I, there's no way mm-hmm. I want a life without God, mm-hmm. and I and I believe that He does exist. So it's like my faith is way more active because it's like, wait a second, I don't know what I believe about everything else, but man, I still sense God's presence, and I still have my faith in Him. So you know, where whereas back in the day, it was like my faith was one part of this whole belief system that you know, I had to have right in every single area. And that's just, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if any of us are supposed to be like that, but I do think it's a result of modernism and just how we went through this season of needing to cross our T's and dot our I's and just have everything figured out, which if God is, if, if God's small enough to have figured out, then he's, uh, maybe not worthy to worship. <laughs> He's a tiny little fella. He's too tiny. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, you know, and, and like, that's one thing where like, like, uh, like, uh, like, um, one of the main reasons why I also wanted to have you on was just, was just to kind of say like, Hey, here's the fruit of your podcast that you don't even like know about was because right. it really gave me permission and the courage to talk about like, so I used to struggle a lot and I still do at times with like, extreme doubt like i don't know this is actually real and it's really hard so um we went to this uh small catholic college that we talk about all like all the time on here and people who like uh who did not go there hate us for always like talking about it but um so sorry but you know but it it it, at times you know it um and it's a really great school and I, i love it but there is this thing where, like you have to adhere to these standards right. and you have to, which I'm sure is true at every like Bible college or like any place where like the faith is like lived out with, within the, within the student body. And it did kind of like, mess with my head a little bit. And, yeah. and it's also kind of weird within the Catholic church. Cause there's such an, an emphasis on church tradition and the over like teachings of it. And but because like hearing your podcast gave me like really in a weird way, the courage to go, I trust the church, but there are times when I don't think this is real and it terrifies me. Right. You know, and the freedom like that's one of our most popular episodes. I think it's probably up and downloaded like 15,000 times or so. Yeah. Where people said like, thank you. Like I was I always like I couldn't bring that up and I. Kind of like uh, going back to like what I talked about earlier. I think we have to. Right. I think we have to say like, hey, um, you know, like gay marriage. So I understand. I like I um, 
you know, understand. And I um, believe in the teaching of the church. But and when, when I say church, I mean the Catholic church. But right. it, it, it doesn't mean that it's not really effing hard. Right. Or it makes my life or I like don't have issues with that or I, like, you know, and it's, it's just, it's um, again, kind of going back to this idea of like, I think you're absolutely right when you say like, you know, it's because like the bulk of people who were like, who are still in the faith were like raised. So, and had some encounter with, with Christ in their life. But, but there's also this, like, I'm here by choice. Cause I don't have like to who else will I turn? Cause I, cause I have like tasted it and I have seen how sweet God is. Yeah. And so I don't know if this make. I'm the one who rambles a lot. No, so I, 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 what you're saying makes sense. I, I'm curious because this is something that I've thought about a lot as far as our listenership, you know, just, just what you shared. Do you think that, um, do you think we would have made as much of an impact if we kind of had more of a arrogant, you know, we're kind of ditching the whole church and, uh, the church sucks. We don't like it. And we're going to be rebels per se, or, or, or are yeah. we perceived that way? Like I, no, I've always, theor- yeah. I've, yeah, I've always theorized that one of the reasons why people in mainstream Christianity, I'm not saying that's you guys, but people in mainstream Christianity will still listen to us because I think they, they, they can pick up on the fact that, wait a second, these guys still have, you know, a, a, a foot in the door of like mainstream Christianity because that's all mm-hmm. they knew for a long time. And they're not super antsy to run full speed away, yeah. but they're willing, they're willing to walk completely away from, you know, anything that's unhealthy or anything they find to be untrue. Sure. But uh, I think maybe people sense that we still have some tradition in us that we can't really share. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's well, interesting I, that I feel like as someone who's listened, I've listened to you since Luke introduced me to your podcast two yeah. years ago and then like sp- sporadically. And I didn't get the show at first. And I was like, these guys love to cuss and talk over each other. Right. And, then, right. <laughs> and then, which is like what we do, which is what the same thing. Like we get all the time from, from, from Luke, Luke, people. I was talking. Oh, yeah, no, exactly. just kidding. Like, but uh, you're so fucking vulgar. Oh, <laughs> yeah. But um, the funny thing is, it wasn't until maybe about six months ago when I said, you know, I'm, uh, I really like the topic, and I can't even remember what the topic was, but I just listened from beginning to end, including the Casper mattress ad reads, and, <laughs> and I just kept going, and I never, I, like every single week I download them, and I, I love them, and it's interesting for me, because like you were talking about your upbringing, you hear, right. and this is, this is my perspective, I can hear the way that you're struggling is definitely an evangelical struggle. Yeah. Like, it's, like, um, uh, I, there was one episode where, like, there, there's a very common evangelical line that, uh, that as a Catholic, I always felt like was a dig against Catholics, where they say things like, it's not about religion, it's about relationship. And yeah. one, of the, one, one of y'all said that as the show was ending, like, yeah, you know, but that's what religion does. This is all about religion. This isn't relationship. And I was like, it is interesting to me how I, I feel like, because I'm, you know, I have my, like, kind of, like, sensors up for this stuff. I yeah. hear the, the and, I, and I love, like, I mean, I download evangelical sermons and all this stuff all the time. I yeah. have no fear of that stuff. But um, I hear this interesting wrestling, but it's within the context and using, drawing on the tools of evangelicalism and, yeah. you know, emergent church that it is cool to hear that 
struggle within those contexts. Yeah. But at the same time, those aren't those aren't my struggles in in yeah, a, in no, a very interesting way. That's a great observation, and I would even go so far as to say it's it's Bible Belt evangelicalism yeah. because. I would put my mm-hmm. wife in the same category of me as 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 far as our upbringing being evangelical, but a lot of the religious uh, struggles that I have and some of the stuff that I'm trying to shake is completely foreign to her. Like I would say, she had, it, she was just as involved in her churches uh, yeah. growing up as a kid, but had a way more healthy experience and didn't come out of it having to shed a lot of stuff. Now, I believe. As I am, I am shedding Southern Bible Belt legalistic and evangelicalism, whereas she's just having to shed a lot of the evangelicalism. So there's there's some mutual stuff that we're having to shed, uh, both of us. But yeah. then, you know, I've got a harder job to yeah. <laughs> shed the stuff that I'm dealing with. You got you got to get to the health part, and then get to the yeah. shedding part. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There you go. One thing that I I think is interesting within this conversation is like. Um, like, for instance, like, meaning, like, the, the things you question from an evangelical perspective is very much rooted in the Protestant Reformation with the five solas. So, you know, that, right. so, you know by, uh, for the glory of God alone, grace alone. Yep. It's funny because Roman Catholics hold three of the five solas. I mean, grace alone, uh, for the glory of God alone and all that stuff. But the thing is, Scripture alone and faith alone. And faith alone, we hold most of that. Without uh, and you know it's interesting because Roman Catholics always get pegged as a works based religion, which is not what the church teaches. But it yeah. definitely is how almost every Catholic in the pew acts. Well, I got to earn my way to heaven. Right. Uh, oh yeah. But it's not what the church teaches. But the interesting, interesting. thing is, yeah. I, I, at so, all. Let, let me let me just yeah. ask you real quick. So so you would say then that a priest does not function that way. Like he's not thinking I've got to earn my way, but for some reason parishioners do. Uh, I would say that. Seminary formation is so atrocious throughout most of the West (laughs) that priests, priests, this one priest said to me, you know, in seminary, we're given just enough, just enough theology to teach a class and just enough pastoral studies so that we don't like offend everyone that comes up to us. And that's about it. And I'm a nerd for this stuff. So I've been studying this stuff since I was in high school. And, um, and so, like, you know, I'll sit down and we'll have a conversation on, like, like let's say moral theology, you know, like, is this right or wrong in the eyes of the church or whatever. And I'll find that the for, for several priests, there's, like, they have no resources to really actually debate something because they never really studied it or spirituality yeah. or all this stuff. And so you find that um, that there are – so the, the problem with the Protestant Reformation for Catholics is they emphasize sola fide, faith alone, and it seems like Catholics then emphasize works alone. When yeah. that was never what the Catholic – and literally it, was, it wasn't until I start reading books. It's almost like this refreshingness of to read books written before the Reformation. So I was reading St. Thomas Aquinas' simple um, – one of his uh, catechetical lecture or series of, of sermons. And literally on the Christian life, the first, the, the first like quarter of it is all on faith. And it's yeah. not on works. It's all on faith and on grace. And uh, I did a show called Pints with Aquinas where all I talked about was on grace. And I really do feel that the Catholic, the average person in the pew as a, as a Catholic, because of our weird kind of the last 50 years of, of the church struggling, um, m- many Catholics in America are Pelagian. They're not really Christian. Right. Yeah. They, they think you got to earn it. And they're universalists where yeah. they're like, well, you have to earn your salvation. But everyone goes to heaven. So the bar is just really right. low. And right. and that's 
I mean, that's really what I – and I talk to people all the time. They're like well, – I'll say, well, what, what does it mean to go to heaven? And they'll say, well, I mean, I'm a good person. And I say, right. okay, great. What does it mean to be a good person? And they'll say, well, I mean, it's not like I killed someone. Right. And totally. it's like, there's your standard, <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. My my grandpa was a Catholic up until he died, and he struggled basically up until he died with that tension of, I, I hope I hope I figured things out enough to get me in, yeah. you know, yeah. like I really hope mm-hmm. that. And uh, so that that's, that's a puzzling thing, yeah. how someone can miss the gospel by that far. And we were talking about this on Bad Christian at one point. I forgot who the guy's name is, but one of the biggest podcasters out there, total atheist and everything. And he was talking about the Christian faith and basically how he described it. We were like, oh my gosh, he he doesn't even know what the Christian faith is. Because basically Mm -hmm. he's he's talking about how, you know, for us it's like a make-believe video game and how we're trying to you know, earn our keep and please God and get into heaven and all that stuff. And I was like, wow, like there's even people from the outside yeah. that don't even understand what keeps us connected yeah. because I mean, most of us I think would have left a long time ago if that's all it was. Well, yeah. I mean, Sam Harris, you know, the famous, that's atheist. It. yeah, that's it. yeah. He, yep. t- yeah. He talks about that all the time. Like you got to earn your points and all right. this stuff. And it's like, what, why? Yep. But I, right. I mean, and, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I I also think there kind of is this like weird thing though within the Catholic Church for the first half of the 20th century, where it was uh, extremely, I think the right word is clerical. Yeah. Where it's yeah. just like this is what you do. You don't ever question the priest, and you're almost like scared of God. You're yeah. and you're like scared of going to hell, and then. Post like Vatican II, that really goes away. So like, I don't ever deal with Catholic guilt, right? Like that's like a f- and and I hear yeah. about all like <laughs> all the time, but it's just as I think it's like a weird um, generation. That's, that's what boomers. Like that's what thing. boomers suffer from is Catholic guilt. <laughs> it is. It's true. Yeah, like my like, parents. My parents are in their uh, 60, late sixties and early seventies, and that was huge. It was huge. Yes. So. Um, Here's my question, though, about that. So I don't, I don't have any kids. Each of you guys, though, do have kids. Yeah. What do you think Christianity is going to look like for all, uh, for all of them when they're adults? I mean, I, I think, I think we are in a transitional period right now, and I think there's, there's only a, a chunk of folks that are living in that transition or even aware of it. And when I say a chunk, I mean a a pretty large chunk, like, I don't know, maybe 40% of the church recognizes this transition that we're in. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that the change will be good because, well, here's what I think the change is. I think we're, we're let, we (laughs) just three years ago, I would have said, Oh my gosh, like our faith can't follow postmodernism. But I actually think that the aspects of postmodernism uh, that we are being influenced by, it's healthy because it's turning us back to an awe and mystery and real mm. reverence of, of God and how he can't be completely understood, but we can experience, experience Jesus' love. And that right there is what captivates us. So there, I, I think so many more people are willing to say, yeah, I don't know what I think about that. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, yeah, you think that the Bible's inerrant? I don't know. Like, I don't know if I, you know, and it's just, 
the mm-hmm. I don't know part, we're given permission for yeah. that. And I think that is, that's so needed. I mean, here's something that I've said so many times. It's like, you know, there's people that are still a hundred percent black and white with, with their outlook on LGBTQ community. And they say, you know, you know, one of the reasons why I'm just so firm on this is my kids, you know, I don't want them growing up and, and being messed up into, you know, being confused when they see two moms and they think that's okay and everything. And my mind immediately goes to, you're worried about that. I'm worried about how puzzled they're going to be when they grow up in a system that for some reason, and and I'm not, you know, I'm not even saying that I don't understand where people are coming from that, you know, believe it's completely a sin and all I get the discussion, but I would be more worried about our kids growing up and being like, wait a second, this is a, this, this is a Christian faith. We, we love people, but we're alienating ourselves from a whole demographic just because of their sexual orientation. Like that's what they're going to be puzzled by. Mm. I mean, cause mm. they're, mm-hmm. they're going to be confused about, Oh, why do, why do we have to, you know, consider ourselves in like a totally different category than them? So I think all of that is, is definitely changing for the better. We, we actually just interviewed on bad Christian. I guess the episode will come out tomorrow. Um, uh, a pastor who is bisexual and, you know, for some people that heard me say that they automatically wrote him off as a nut job and totally not a Christian and probably muddying the waters and, you know, needs to be uh, kicked out of the church. But then when you listen to this guy and you actually pair a voice and pair a story and hear a super intelligent, sincere seeker of God in Jesus and someone who is just like the three of us, as far as he he grew up seeking God, and uh, and and it's just like that right there, at least has to make people pause and be like, okay, that throws me for a loop. Like I, I want people to at least get to a point where they hear enough gay Christians that they're thrown for a loop. At least let's get there to where that opens up a conversation of being like, okay, these. These are real people with real names and real voices with mm-hmm. real stories. And, you know, I might not agree with their lifestyle, but I think they are serving Jesus. So that means that they are a Christian. And, you know, if if you're still camping out in the uh, place of, yeah, but it's definitely a sin. Well, let's also remember that there are sins that we live in that we may not even be aware of. Or maybe the things that we are aware of. I mean, how many times have you guys thought of a sinful habit that you guys have, and you're just like, man, I just cannot beat this. Like, I know it's wrong, but I just, I just, I can't figure this out. So, oh yeah, you're describing I, Luke's life to a T. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I think everyone. Uh, yeah. Wants... <laughs> now, like all of our listeners and my mom know now, so it's great. <laughs> He's a terrible dater, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but no, I think you know one of the interesting things whenever we talk about like homosexuality and gay culture and like all this stuff, oftentimes you find the most angry elements, there's two most angry elements, the closet of gays who want everyone to think that they're not. Um, And then you have the element of people who have never encountered gay men and women in their entire lives. Right. And, or at least they don't think, they don't realize that they have. And because they have this, they've enabled themselves to believe any number of things uh, you know, scary, freaky stories about the gay community and gay people and gay men and all this stuff. They're willing to believe anything because they have no experience of the other that they've actually had. 
And, you know, one of the things that I love, um, I was uh, listening to this Franciscan. He's a member of religious order that follows St. Francis of Assisi. And they're called uh, Franciscan Friars of the Renewal. And he said, one of the things about our order is we're a reform of the Franciscans. And we were inspired by Mother Teresa. And what we did was Franciscans, oh, we're, we love poverty. We live for the poor. We serve the poor. And he said, we built some amazing organizations that serve the poor. And yeah. the reason why the CFRs, the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal, why they exist is because they realized through Mother Teresa's example that though we can serve the poor through these organizations, and that's great, we must never lose our one-on-one direct contact with the poor because then we lose the whole reason why we're doing it. We're just managing an NGO or a nonprofit, and we're not being Christ to these people or letting yeah. these people be Christ to us. And so um, that when he shared that, the, we had him do a parish mission at our church. When he shared that, I was like, this is exactly what Shane Claiborne's talking about. This is exactly what everyone's talking about. Once you encounter the other, you can't help but love them. When you hear their story, you can't help but love them. And then you learn to make room at the table. And I think, uh, you know, and and we we are not what what I believe you would call gay affirming in like that 100% where it's like gay marriage, all this stuff. I think I remember one episode where someone said like, you know, you won't have this evangelical person because uh, they made a comment in like 1990 about being anti-gay marriage. And yet you have Cardinal Dolan give the Democratic national committee like prayer uh, you know or whatever and they said yeah well you evangelicals the whole thing is you try to be relevant and now you're not and the catholics have never pretended to be that so there is that element for us catholics that kind of give us that um there's it's a different type of wrestling with the issue does that make sense yeah yeah i think so i think so hear that luke i made sense i made sense luke (laughs) (laughs) so like so you are the pastor of a church, how do you like, how do you make that? Like, how do you encounter the, the like other in a way? So it's more about them and it's not about, um, the doctrine. Small talk. If that makes sense. Just are we still on, are we still on gay people right now? Oh, I mean, it's just like anything, you know, because like, so like, just like any issue, but I mean, yeah, sure. Like that's, I mean, that's, that's like the, Example yeah, yeah. though, like right now, I think. With but I mean, I think in general, I mean, how do you how do you get through that to be? I mean, because as pastor, there is an right. There's this aura of respectability, you know, that yeah. may, maybe yeah. creates an artificial distance that you would hope. I mean, I think if any of your people listen to your podcast, maybe they'd be like, "Ah, oh, right, that's right. Joey," you know. Ah. Yeah. Well, well, first of all, so the the church that I pastor is part of a uh, big church that has different locations. So a Seacoast church. And uh, so we're a multi-site, uh, which basically means that on Sunday mornings, you know, uh, our our church, we have our own band, we have our own pastor that, you know, walks people through prayer and response time and greets them and talks to people after the service, prays with people. Uh, we have our youth pastor and we have, you know, all of our own stuff, except typically the sermon is live fed from the original campus, uh, you know, that's about 25 miles away. So um, just that's a little bit of a background. Now, yeah. So Seacoast as a whole, I, it's just it's just a super uh, special place, honestly, with how uh, just how we walk that line of being committed to. Jesus and, um, you know, even probably as a whole more traditional and conservative, 
than I am as an individual. And that's the beauty of our church is we try to hold things a little uh, more loosely and give the Holy Spirit a little more room to move. Um, and, and just, in, you know, because obviously the size of our church, the influence that we have on the world, uh, it's probably the only church at that level of influence that would even allow me to do bad Christian. I mean, just uh, very obvious. I've had many pastors tell me this. Toby worked at Mars Hill Church in Seattle. And I mean, pretty much the consensus is no way I would be able to, <laughs> to do this at, just, at any other church. Let's just put that and in so, a frame of reference. Luke is not technically allowed to use his last name, uh, right. nor reference his employer, <laughs> because right. they don't want to be affiliated. Yeah. Yeah, totally, totally. So, um, so as a whole, we have a pretty healthy culture. Um, our past, you know, the, the teaching pastors, they really don't position themselves as like these, uh, you know, right below angel human beings that you know have a responsibility <laughs> to guide everybody. They're just yeah. real people that admit real struggles. Mm-hmm. I would say maybe I take it even to a uh, a deeper level when I when I do teach, especially to you know our campus, like on a Wednesday night or something like that. I mean, I'm very straightforward with, listen, um, we are all on the same uh, plane here. Like, I I do believe that, you know, it's my job to lead, and I believe that God has given me the discernment and all that stuff in order to do this Mm -hmm. job, but that does not make me different from any of you. And so it just so happens that right now I'm holding a microphone and we're having a one-sided conversation, but please, please see me as a fellow seeker and take what I'm saying, and if it resonates with you and the Holy Spirit confirms what I'm saying, or maybe you go home and you think about it, or you study it, or you try to back it up with Scripture and you agree, then great. But if there's anything that rubs you the wrong way or you disagree, man, you have permission to disagree. Like, I just, I'm very, you know, because of the unhealthy influence that I see so many pastors have, and the let's, let's not forget the position that people put these pastors yeah, in that yeah. is very unfair— yep. I just want to overtly, abrasively resist that. I do not want to be seen as this guy up front that everybody needs to, you know, listen to and listen and hang on to every single word that I say, because how many times have people done that for year after year after year with the same pastor? And then they find out, oh, yeah, he's been in a a two year affair and so I'm not knocking that pastor because we all make mistakes, but then those people are left in a place of, wait a second, yeah. this is the guy who we've been trying to be like. Like, this yeah. is the guy who we've tried to follow on his every word, and he's been having an affair for the last couple of years. So I just, I don't want that distinction. I don't need that distinction. I don't need people to, you know, so, um, you know, your Catholic listeners, this may sound very foreign to them because it, at least... It sure does. Yeah. So so (laughs) your inclination is correct. (laughs) Yeah. So from what I understand of like Catholicism, I mean, that is how people treat priests and that is how priests see themselves. And and please, I mean, I have as of recently, like when my uh, wife's father passed away, uh, I mean, awesome priests. Like I don't have anything against priests, love priests. This guy was just unbelievable. I was like, man, this dude, I could hang out with this guy. Uh, over beer night after night after night. But it seems like the general consensus is, I mean, if you're going to sit with a guy and confess your sins to him and he has the power to actually forgive you, and maybe I'm speaking out of turn, maybe that's not exactly how it works. It's like, whoa, wait a second. That's a, that's a fellow sinner. <laughs> yeah. So it, when, you, mm-hmm. when we're talking sin, we're peers here. 
Yeah. Like if I'm confessing yeah. sin to you, who are you confessing your sins to? Because we're both sinning. Yeah. Other priests, they all go to confession. They all go to confession. Uh, we have a lot of priests who listen to us. I think because we're in the breath of like fresh air. Sorry, and, fathers. Uh, Sorry. Yeah. No. 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 No, but like I know, because like no, I'm saying I I think like what you said, they're all probably like thank God, you yeah. know, because yeah. I think this, I mean, it's I mean, it's this is actually one of the issues um, that I think as a church we really have to yeah. address is these priests are really alone in a lot yeah. because they don't have a spouse, yeah. and they don't have the the grind of a community like you go home you go to your wife, you still have to like do the dishes or do the laundry or, you know, any of the household, like, uh, chores that you have to do because you're a part of like family unit that, yeah. uh, is your, like vocation, you know? And with a lot of priests, they don't have that. And they're, and they're, and because of how in demand they are in terms of like what they do, which, which I think is the same within the Protestant church, it's very easy to not one be, to actually be discipled by another person yeah. or two, yeah. just take the time to be a, a disciple. Right. You know, yeah. because there's this weird, like, like, Oh, um, like if you like, so when a priest goes to anyone's house, if like, you know, like anyone's like mom is there, they're so attentive to the, Priest, as if he's just like he's just like special guest. So you have to wait on hands and foot, which I think right. is a nice thing to do. But what happens though is then you're not really you don't have the grind of a community. Yeah, right. Yeah, and one of the things. It's a, it's, yeah, one of the things that we do that I did uh, last year. So I do I speak at these youth conferences, these Catholic youth conferences, and um, one of the you know as we were there, and you know you're praying at the end, you like you pray for this and that intention and. And I said, I just want to stop and pray for our priests that we who are, you know, single, celibate, living alone, often with multiple parishes that they're in charge of, who are expected to be the perfect business manager, financier, right. um, flawless homilist, flawless spiritual guide, uh, yeah. drinking buddy to hang out with on a Friday night if, if you're at the football game at the local high school. Like, you know, and it's like we demand everything from them and it's time that we, we start changing our expectations and, and acknowledge that they're human. And there is yeah. this, there is an element. I mean, so what you were talking about uh, that stood out to me was you said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just a sinner like you. Like I've, I've read this. If you have something different, you know, by all means, you know, go back to scripture and wrestle with it yourself and, and come and come and talk to me. Um, there is this notion that I think is very biblical, which is the notion of like apostolic authority. Right. Yeah. And like St. Paul was very zealous to guard the authority of like of, of their teaching. And then when and this is this is me as a Catholic observer listening to you guys wrestle with things in the evangelical world is we do not have sola scriptura. We yeah. don't believe in scripture alone, not because I mean, we believe everything about scripture that a Protestant, any Protestant would uphold. Um, right. or any evangelical, I should say, would uphold, like, we believe it's inerrant, infallible word of God, we believe it's divinely inspired, we believe it's profitable for training and reproof and all that good stuff. Right. Um, but what we also hold is that there's this thing called apostolic tradition that was a part of the church even before scripture was written. Yeah. And then you also have church authority, like you have the church who is subordinate to scripture and tradition. And the reason why I bring that up is because um, 
one of the interesting things that I, I when you guys were talking about the what's it called the Nashville statement, yeah. Which I never, if it wasn't for your pocket, I never would have heard of. And you guys, you know, it's like these things like Mars Hill and all this stuff. It's like bombs in y'all's world. And in my world, I'm like, what? And, you know, I'm dealing with (laughs) pre-sex abuse scandals and, you know, like this stuff. And you guys are dealing with, you know, Driscoll and all that stuff. And the interesting thing kind of going on there. And, um. But it was interesting because both like on the, the gay affirmation issue, I think it was you that said, you know, homosexuality is only mentioned seven times in scripture and yeah. you can you can address them from these different perspectives. And then when talking with uh, the gentleman that talked about like non, uh, what do you call it? Conscious, eternal uh, suffering um, in hell. The suffering right. is conscious. Yeah. Right. So he's an annihilationist. He believes that people are destroyed by yeah. hell and right. are no longer ex- right. in existence. Right. Like, like a good Christadelphian, which I'd never <laughs> heard of until I. <laughs> so you have that. And then you had the, the process theologian that God is somehow bound by time. He doesn't know the future. And it's interesting because as a Catholic, you know, we have this huge tradition. That, and I don't mean tradition in the sense of this is what we've always taught. This is what we've always kind of believed. It, it is authoritative for us, um, as well as, you know, the notion of reason and faith and philosophy as a very much a part of our tradition. So when it, it's, it's to me, the interesting thing is I want, I want to know what you think. Like when someone who exists in the world of the Bible alone, right, like you're talking yeah. about that evangelical mindset can shake a foundation of, you know, five years ago, you might not, you might have thought gay affirming was the end of the world. You know, like that one, you had that one woman on there talking about progressive churches. Um, For a Catholic, we're like, we we don't rest on whether or not someone can make a, a really good argument based on scripture because there's so much more. And I find that this post- Post-evangelical, I think, is a really good term because it's kind of within that context. Does that make sense? And if someone can yeah, I think so. demonstrate scripturally without appealing to other things, then that's enough. And then, uh, you know, and then you have the wrestling with the foundations of it. Yeah. Yeah, so you're saying if someone appeals to scripture, that may, like in, in Catholic tradition, that's not necessarily a home run. Well, I would say that the appeal to script, like scripture, is interpreted within the tradition. Like yeah. they're not, they're ne- they're exactly. never seen as like opposing things. And right. so, like for the, to me, the, I didn't. This just popped into my head when I was listening to the guy talking about um, uh, a, a non-eternal hell, and he said, "You know, I, 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 what was, I can't remember who it was." He said, "This is a conservative evangelical saying this. Like this is someone, yeah. and you you all reiterated this is someone who takes the Bible so seriously." Right. Like, just like we do, you know, like, and right. then I was like, ah, that's interesting because I have other things in which to weigh that argument. That's all I'm saying. Gotcha. That's interesting. No, that's great perspective, honestly. Yeah. I think that, uh, yeah. And, and that's just why it's so important for everybody to take a deep breath and be like, okay, wait a second. We don't have things figured out because here, here's the, uh, the ultimate reality that we're in is for anyone that takes the Bible as basically, you know, from start to finish, there's perfect meaning and everything. There's zero mistakes. You know, everything that, you know, Paul said is right on the money mm-hmm. and, or just all of that stuff, at least admit that that is an act of faith that, that you are putting forth in that book. And, and no one, is, I, I, I'll go so far as to say, I don't think anybody's asking you to do that. I don't think Jesus is asking you to do that. I mean, show me where Jesus said, 
hey, here are a list of the books of the Bible that need to be in there. Let me go ahead and list them, mm-hmm. and then here's how you <laughs> apply it. Yeah. Now, now he did he did say the law and the prophets are, are you know, are, yeah. however he said it, but basically they're very important. Pay attention to them. He also, like you guys mm-hmm. talked about apolis, apostolic uh, authority, I mean, he basically affirmed that. So I do think we should be listening very intently to Paul, very closely to Peter and Jude and James and all those guys. But I don't think anyone told us exactly how to read it all. I mean, so if, if, if that's how you're reading it, great, more power to you. But please realize that is an act of faith and not necessarily right. Yeah. Well, and it's, I'm oh, sorry, you good. I was just going to say, and that's, to me, that is the interesting part because that's where, as a Catholic, we would say, I mean, like if, if, if you're a godly man, and I'm a godly man, and we're coming to contrary views of the same thing. Like, where yeah. of Scripture, where do we turn? Like, I, I, I was talking with this uh, Pentecostal gentleman on a plane, and he said to me, you know, if my pastor, when he found out I was Catholic, it was, it was a wild ride. Uh, when he yeah. found out I was Catholic, he goes, you know, if my pastor were to walk up tomorrow and say, I'm going to teach you something from this, or I'm going to contradict something in this book, because I think this book is wrong on this point, I will stand up and walk out. And I was like, okay, yeah. but... I would too, but he's not going to do that. What he's going to do is give you the best of his interpretation. And I said, well, what if you fundamentally disagree? Where do you, ha- where do you hang your hat? And I think you would probably, the, that sin of certainty that you have referenced, um, maybe we're striving for something too much. But as a Catholic, we would say we do have a place to resolve this because while the scriptures, you know, we could all fight over, you know, the meaning of it. That's why we have something like apostolic tradition that we can look at or we, we can turn to the church. And the Catholic Church, I think a lot of Protestants think the Catholic Church like dictates how we interpret Scripture all the time. It yeah. doesn't. It's, it's very rarely uh, over 2,000 years authoritatively said, you must believe this version uh, or this interpretation of this passage. I think it's only done yeah. that twice in 2,000 years. But um, there, is, there is this like uh, bad analogy, but a referee when you're struggling with the scripture passages, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I mean, for me too, like I, I think it's a good reminder to, to remember, Hey, let's not forget that we are a part of a a lineage that apparently started when the Holy spirit came down and birthed the church. And all Mm -hmm. of those guys at that point are just like, Oh man, we got a lot of stuff to figure out. Like, and, and yeah. hey, but, but here's yeah. the cool thing. Jesus is coming back probably in the next few weeks because he said he'll be back soon. So, hey, we'll try to figure this stuff out. We'll try not to get tortured, but everything. And since then, we've all been trying to figure stuff out. And then somewhere along the way, you know, someone said, hey, well, these letters that those people wrote a long time ago, they need to be compiled and, and seen in a certain way where I just <clears throat> I think it's very healthy for all of us to be like, OK, we're 2000 years removed from that. And we're still, we still need to base our faith on the death and resurrection of Jesus, period. Yeah. Because yeah. if that's not true, yeah. then, then, then our faith is worthless. And, oh, yeah, sounds like Paul mm-hmm. said that. So he's a smart guy, you know, but let's, let's just yeah, he's not a, get... He's all right. He's all right. Yeah. Yeah, he's all right. <laughs> he's all right. No, and, like, that's where um, a lot of the big church leaders, like people who wrote some really cool books, like Our Last Pope and this guy named... Um, uh, Hans Balthasar, who's this like priest dude that I, I just that love. guy sounds tough. That, Hans Erz oh, von dude, Balthasar. He's, he's, he is. Don't want to meet him at yeah, a dark alley. Just, 
Yeah. Oh, he's so. I fucking love him. Um, but but. Uh, anyways, uh, it sounds like a like we, a man crush. Go ahead. Yeah, it is. I it's like inappropriate. It's totally man, inappropriate. Man crush on a man who died in 1988. Um, yeah. <laughs> but just uh, one of the things that they talked about was like the church is worthless without Christ. And I'm kind right. and um, I'm paraphrasing a bit, but it's just like this. The important like the, it it all it begins and it ends in him. And yep. like, and if, and, and, and like, really like, because, because of Paschal mystery, because like resurrection of our Lord is real, we have, we can experience them in our like, you know, like own lives. That's where this all comes from. And we, I think right. we always get hung up on the doctrine and our own like echo, our own echo chambers. It just like drives me nuts. So yeah. um, we're, we're currently at, at the hour mark right now. And I know that, that I said that we would have you for an hour. So I don't want to have to keep you any longer than um, we agreed to, but this has been fantastic. Thank you very much. Yeah, man. It was an enjoyable uh, conversation. I appreciate it. And, and like, honestly, like it was, uh, I think it was like Matt er, er, um, earlier on in your guys's podcast when he said like, I think everyone should, um, you know, have a podcast. And I was like, fine i'll do it and we started <laughs> we're, we're like 10, all downhill from here away. yeah from like we're almost at eight million downloads since last march nice so it's been real like honestly this would not have happened without you guys' podcast so and it's made such a huge impact just on my own life and my own like ministry so i thank Sweet. you for all of that well thank you guys for those words of encouragement and for y'all's time and uh yeah appreciate it i hope cool. uh, um I hope we didn't piss a bunch of priests. I uh, hope we didn't piss a bunch of priests off. <laughs> now, the priests are fine. It's going to be all of the um, self-important, like, all, like, of the youth ministers right out of school who think that they know everything. They're all the uh, Well, you know what? I don't care about them, so <laughs> we're yeah, good. Exactly. Oh, you're 23. Shut up. Um, right. uh, where can people find your podcast or, like, are you – because you're on – twitter as well right yeah yeah, yeah. so people people can go to badchristian.com to just kind of you know see what's going on there and access our podcast and then i do a podcast on my own called pastor with no answers and then um i did write a book on my mental oh, illness yeah. growing up with legalism condemnation ocd depression and all that stuff and uh that's i mean you could actually find that on badchristian.com but that's at fundamentalistpastor.com as well so yeah if anybody wants to check that out great is that the name of the book, Fundamentalist cool. Pastor? Uh, it's called Fun uh, Fundamentalist with uh, with the mental emboldened. You see what I did? Oh, there? clever, good sir! Yeah. Yes. Very clever, <laughs> fundamentalist. So you're a mentalist, like that guy on CBS that that show that my mom watches all the time. <laughs> the mentalist. Oh, um, one last thing before we like let you go. I just I totally forgot to bring this up but uh you guys had a guy from like church militants oh my gosh podcast. i totally wanted to bring this up too just really quick they're crazy who who's this now uh the guy who like he saw mary and oh. he's like gives talks with his group yeah oh, they're yeah. like bat sh- sh- they're bat shit crazy <laughs> so i was i was like why is this 
he's making um, Catholicism look terrible. Who's he with? He goes, and I speak for like church militant. And my first thought was motherfucker. Are you serious? <laughs> that group? <laughs> Mother- my awesome. church, my church has been featured negatively because a parishioner uh, is a fa- a super fan of church militant and takes pictures and and writes negative things and sends them into church militant and they host them on their website. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Oh, the uh, the closest thing a Catholic uh, in Catholicism that we have to what you would call like fundamentalist, yeah, that's them. <laughs> yeah, so we don't really have fundamentalism, except for that. I mean, like there's a handful of. Oh shoot! Oh man! Yeah, Luke told me that he's like, looks like I go. Have they had any Catholics on there except for that that um, uh, the evangelical pastor that converted to Catholicism? Yeah, and, and it was funny. That interview is funny. I I love that interview, but. Uh, <laughs> I've, yeah, I think we came. I think we came away with that feeling of yeah. I think we just interviewed a crazy dude. Yeah, good, <laughs> yes, good. Yes, but yes. but if you ever, there are people I could recommend that would be a lot better. <laughs> oh yeah. shit! Yeah. Just statistically <laughs> representing more of the whole. Oh man, that's so funny, I Luke. Know. I'm I'm so happy you said that, Luke, because I was thinking that about 20 minutes ago. And I forgot to write it down. Awesome. Yeah. yeah awesome. Uh, thank you so much for coming uh, yeah. coming on the show and being with us. Um, so you can find uh, go to badchristian.com, start there. Um, it's a great podcast. It's a lot of fun. They interview a whole bunch of people. Um, one of my favorite ones where you interviewed the woman that was uh, her husband was an elder at Mark Driscoll's church, and oh, it yeah. was to me that that actually taught me a lot about the dynamics between men and women in church environments. And I've yeah. since seen that unfold in other places, and I've been able to intervene in a positive way on behalf of those women. Uh, because you know they're just being written off as little ladies who shouldn't be speaking up, and so really, honestly, thank you for that. It's it's crazy, yeah. but yeah, it's real, real I deal, Holyfield. All right, so we're gonna put all your information in the show notes. Fundamentalist, I love that. That's awesome. Yep. And pastor yep. with no answers. Great. Thank you so much for being on the show. 